bankruptcy, divorce laws, disability, probate, there are so many classes on the path to practicing law. Unfortunately, most schools fail to instruct you on the business of law. This is Solo De Facto, a show dedicated to discovering the success secrets that exist in the reality of running a solo practice. My goal is to find the one thing that separates each guest from the rest to give you practical solutions to create a thriving firm. Solo De Facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist. Today, I'm talking to Harvard grad, former federal judge clerk and lawyer who has found passion and purpose in the business of lawyering. I am so impressed with Aline Anello as an entrepreneur and enthusiast for the work she's doing. She's the founder of Legal Impact for Chickens, a litigation nonprofit that aims to make factory farm cruelty a liability. Welcome, Aline. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Emily. So happy to have you. So before we start talking about Legal Impact for Chickens, I'm curious, what did you initially intend to do with your law degree? So I, I was passionate about animal protection even before law school. And um, I was actually working for the animal rights group PETA, and I just wanted to keep doing animal protection in some way. Um, but I never envisioned being an entrepreneur. What did you do when you were working with the federal judge? What kind of cases? Um, there was all kinds, like civil and criminal. The most exciting thing was there was a month-long USDA fraud trial that I got to help on. Um, but there was like lots of you know, criminal sentencing and um, workplace discrimination lawsuits and contract disputes and are people trying to, um, like, arbitration uh, cases where one party wanted to go to the arbitration and the other party didn't want to arbitrate. Um, yeah, it was all across the board. Cool. That's exciting. So you got to dip your toes in a few different areas and you figured animal rights, that's it. That's my jam. Yeah. Yeah. When I, um, when I was clerking for the judge, I really missed animal rights because I had been doing animal advocacy before law school and even during law school. And so I, it was my first time in my adult life, just not doing animal advocacy for a year. And I, I just knew I had to get back to it. Awesome. So the entrepreneurial journey, we talked about this before. It is a wild ride and I want to know all about how it started for you. <laughs> So I'm still at the beginning of it um, and it has been really wild for me. I'm like so um, impressed by all the people that are solo practitioners or small firm lawyers that I'm trying to learn everything I can from. Um, but my story was basically just that I've always been very opinionated and when I've been working in animal protection, how I wanted to do things different and how I thought we could bring certain cases that would be the most effective ones or different ways that I thought we could message. I, had, I started writing down a list of everything that I wanted to do differently that I saw other people doing it. And finally, I had so many things that I just kind of was like, I should just do this. So there's a story. Um, when I was 11 years old, my parents bought me a bird as a present for Christmas. His name was Conrad and um, he was a cockatiel and I ended up having him for 22 years. He actually died this year. Um, Conrad was the coolest. He was really like interesting and opinionated also and loud and smart. And like, you always knew what he was thinking. If he wanted something, you would like look at it or go over to it. And if he was 
torn between two things. He would kind of like walk towards one and then walk back and forth between the two. If he was unhappy, he would scream. And if he was um, feeling affectionate, he'd want to get really close to you and like put his head down for you to pet him. So I just got really close to him and he made me realize that birds have feelings and personalities, which I had never realized before that. I always thought they just looked so different from us that they were like a totally different creature. And even just the fact that he was warm, I didn't realize like birds would feel warm to touch. Um, so I just got really passionate about birds. And then I started learning about some things that happen in industrial animal agriculture today, like how in the egg industry, a lot of companies put the chickens in cages that are so small that they can't even spread their wings. And it really upset me because I immediately thought of Conrad and I thought like I would do anything to make Conrad happier and I would never do something intentional to make him unhappy. And so I just was like, I want to help other birds. Oh, I bet he'd be so proud of his, his mom, bird mama. I hope he would. <laughs> he sounds a lot like you. It sounds like he picked up some of your traits. He's a bird who knows what he wants. Yeah, as I was describing him, I was like, oh, he's just like me. That's funny. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he's just like, head down. Give me those pets. I know what I want. If I'm asking. Yeah, he would always tell you what he wanted. You would never, like, I used to have dogs before him, and you could tell the dog, come here, and then they would come, or you could be like, stop, and they would stop. He did not obey anything, but he would always, like, tell you what he wanted from you. <laughs> that is really cool. Um, So how's the journey been so far? Because you gave up everything, right? You said, this is it. I'm going all in. I guess it's been really scary and really wonderful and exciting. Um, I at first was, yeah, I just, I didn't want to start working on the new nonprofit until I left my old job. So I knew that the first step I needed to take was to leave my job, which was really scary because I had a really good job. I was working at the Animal Legal Defense Fund, litigating for animals. It was like almost my dream job, except that I kept having these ideas of how I wanted to do things differently. So it was really, really scary to like give up something that I thought was what I'd always wanted um, in order to go for something that I thought was like going to be even more, even better. Um, but yeah, I eventually put in my notice. And then when it was my last day, um, I was thinking I was going to take the weekend off and just relax for the weekend. But on my last day of work, after work ended, or maybe even during the day, I got a text from my friend saying, hey, I know you're thinking of starting a nonprofit. Like, did you know there's a grant application due in two days for Effective Altruism Fund? And so I ended up spending the whole weekend working. Like, I didn't take the weekend off. I just worked right through writing the grant application. Um, and then I guess I just got into this role of feeling really accelerated and, like, wanting to work all the time. I don't know if your listeners had a similar experience when they started um, going out on their own but at first I was just so energetic and like didn't want to sleep didn't want to see my friends I just wanted to like work on legal impact for chickens um and then after about a month or two I started slowing down and feeling like oh what did I what did I start for myself this seems too hard and I'm kind of scared but now I've jumped in so I have to keep going I guess that's really cool it's I find it really cyclical so in the beginning it was nonstop. And that's where, you know, you have passion and you have purpose and you don't feel like you're working a second. You can go all day and night. I mean, at some point, I do feel like it's cyclical where we just get a little tired and we start thinking, 
oh man, should I be doing this? I'm feeling burned out. But then, and here I am seven years and it's been a long time since I've worked those, like you did that round the clock. Last week, I'm really excited about something we're working on. So my passion and purpose are fired up again, up till two in the morning. Just, I can't even stop. You couldn't pull me away from what, you know, that feeling it, it comes and it goes. And it, it's, I love that you've aligned your passion and purpose with what you're doing. Emily, that's wonderful to hear. I've been kind of wondering what my future holds. So it's good to know that it's going to be a cycle and that that kind of high will come back again where I will want to stay up all night working and then the calm will happen where I'm like, oh, let me let me slow down and think about things for a little while. Yes. And I feel like there's a couple different types of attorneys, particularly solos who there's the solo who just they want to do their own thing and be their own thing. And then there's that person who's a born entrepreneur and you said something that made me think this girl she's bored (laughs) and it's being unemployable as in I I'm always trying to modify and make things better and whatever I'm doing and so it's almost unemployable because what the real need is that entrepreneurial spirit of creativity and creation um and that's where you know for me that's where the passion and purpose come in when I'm creating something new um you think you're totally right like when I look back at every job I've had in the past, there's always been that element of, wait, but what if we did it this way? Or I think this one project is more effective than this other project. Or, well, if I was in charge, I would do this. And yeah, I guess I never knew at the time what that was, where that was coming from. But maybe it is just what you're saying, a sign that I should always have been an entrepreneur. Yeah, even well, and if you are in a job, it's you, you need to have that room to be able to innovate the job or you'll, you know, I, I this I'll speak from my experience. I'll start to feel stifled. Uh, I was working, you know, for a real estate law firm and I'm like, oh, we are, you know, using the same um, legal descriptions. We should just type these up and we could change the lot and block numbers and like we should have templates and we've got to have, you know, these processes and even when I left the job I left this binder on my desk like the nerd I am that said for the (laughs) all the instructions of everything I've been doing they had no manuals no no anything when I came in and so it's just that that need to create you know (laughs) Emily that's so cool I have a question for you um how do you make sure that your employees get to fill that need well we have a variety of different employees. So something that we do is we actually have a career coaching uh, protocol and um, it, it's pretty cool actually. So we fill out different quadrants of the, and it, it tells you, you know, these are the things, this is if you, the things that I am incredible at and I love doing. And this is the stuff where that passion and purpose where you're like, when I'm doing these things, I'm on fire. <laughs> Nothing can stop me. That box is where we want to keep our team members at like 80% of their time. So we really do the career coaching to see what it is that puts them in that zone. And then how can we give them more of that and then offload the rest of it? That's fantastic. I want, I'm, I'm going to try that because I'm hoping to hire my first employee ever very soon. And I want them to be happy and fulfilled and stay around. So I'm, I want to try to get your template from you. Oh, I will be happy to share it. And I can put a link in below too. And I'm happy to give it out uh, a download link to give it away. It's been really impactful. I actually did it for myself and I realized, oh man, I could be doing all these other things. I'm good at this and I actually like doing it, but it's not where I'm on fire and it's not the best use of my time. Um, And then there's things that I'm bad at 
but maybe like doing and you know, all that stuff. It's just, it's all noise. And when we work in our zone of genius, it, it just makes life so much better. We're happier. We feel more fulfilled. So happy to share that with you. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> well, of course. Um, so that's really neat. So what's going on right now with Legal Impact for Chickens? What are you working on? Right now, um, there's a bunch of different things going on. <laughs> so the, from a litigation perspective, right now, um, I'm searching for our first client for our first lawsuit. And with Legal Impact for Chickens, because we are um, a nonprofit, we're able to, and because we're doing impact litigation, we're able to sort of design the kind of lawsuit in our minds and then look for the client, um, which is something I realize most lawyers can't do. I realize usually you have to wait for clients to come to you. But um, if you're not accepting any money from the client and you're not doing it to make money, you're just doing it to like accomplish an ethical goal, you're allowed to kind of figure out a situation where there are going to be people in need of help and then look for those people. So that is um, one of my main projects right now. And then also, like I mentioned, we're hiring our first employee ever. So um, I put out the job description and I've been trying to circulate it as widely as possible. If any of your listeners are interested in fighting for animals, especially chickens, please, please um, consider applying. Um, if you just Google legal impact for chickens, it should be very easy to find the job description. It's on our website. I tried to post it as many places as I could find. So um, I've started to review a couple applications that are rolling in. And then at the same time, we're also in the process of trying to get our own 501c3 status. So um, as a nonprofit, it's best that you can have 501c3 status, then you can get tax deductible donations and you yourself don't have to pay taxes. Um, and right now, Legal Impact for Chickens doesn't have our own 501c3 status, but we are fiscally sponsored by this wonderful organization called A Well-Fed World, which means that that organization will collect tax-deductible donations using their 501c3 status, and then um, they trust us enough to, like, grant that money onto us. So it's a wonderful situation, but we want to give them a break and move on and become independent at some point. So I guess those are the three big things that we're working on right now. That's really neat. That's exciting. I actually didn't know that a 501c3 could kind of do that and help support and start up until they can get their own status. That's cool. Yeah, it's a really wonderful, wonderful thing. <laughs> That's neat. So what can we do as consumers? Um, you know, you, you're going out there, going after the big guys. Uh, but as a consumer, you know, what do you have for recommendations as far as how to support, you know, the ethical treatment of the animals that were purchasing their products? That's, um, that's a really good question. Um, I guess there's a lot of different things you can do that it kind of depends like what feels right for you. Um, one thing that I really recommend is trying to eat new like vegan chicken alternative products. There's more and more things from companies like Gardein or Beyond or Tofurky that are like chicken or they're taking the place of chicken in a meal. Um, and that's a good way to just know that like no birds were harmed in your meal. Um, chickens are the most, one of the most abused animals in the food system right now. Um, there's so many of them and since they're so small, like every time you eat chicken, you're eating more of an animal than every time you eat beef or something. So that's one idea, but a lot of people, that's not the only thing you can do. Like another thing you can do is advocate for better treatment of chickens, which is what we're focusing on. Um, and 
you can support organizations like us. And also you can look at whatever state you're in there. Um, there might be like some group that's trying to advocate for better treatment of chickens, or um, you can check out groups like the Humane League or the Animal Legal Defense Fund or the Humane Society of the United States. All of them do work throughout the country to try to improve the treatment of chickens. For instance, a lot of states have started passing laws to say that um, chickens used for eggs need to have a certain amount of space so they can't be kept in these tiny battery cages. And if your state doesn't have a law like that, you can try to advocate for one. Um, and then there's also a lot of companies that have been pledging to improve the treatment of chickens used for eggs by going cage-free or to improve the, trick, the treatment of chickens used for meat by um, switching to higher welfare chicken breeds. So you can also look into any companies that you support, whether they're maybe a meat company or maybe even something like a hotel that you don't think of as a meat company, but that would serve meat and eggs. Um, and like look into if they have anything on their website about how their chickens are treated. And if not, it would be wonderful if you just send them a message saying that you're a consumer and that you want them to pledge to improve the treatment of chickens. Um, so yeah, I think it's all about thinking about what feels right for you. Um, I think there's a lot of really easy things you can do to improve animal lives. And um, it should never be something that feels really unpleasant because then you're not going to stick with it. But something where you feel like good about it, then that's the kind of thing you're going to do over and over again. I hear that. And at the store, it's really good <laughs> because we've got, um, you know, cage free, we've got the free range. And I've even heard that there's differences amongst farms and free range. Are, is there... Is are, is are we kind of safer going with like the the micro farm that's really close and local versus maybe a bigger free range? What are your thoughts on that? So when it comes to labels at a store, it is very complicated. And the main thing I would recommend is to just Google. There's a couple different nonprofits that put out guides. I would just Google something like labeling, um, like humane labeling guide or meat and egg labeling guide. Um, you really need to have like a guide with you to interpret the labels because uh, <laughs> some of the labels are very deceptive, but some of them actually are meaningful. So I'll tell you um, off the top of my head some information, but I don't know all the information. And also it, it might be hard to remember all the details. But basically, um, when it comes to the egg industry, cage-free eggs are better than conventional eggs because conventional eggs usually means the birds were kept in these tiny battery cages so small they can't spread their wings. If it says cage-free, that's better. Um, when it comes to the egg industry, if you, or I guess I should pivot now, when it comes to the chicken meat industry, like you're buying chickens to eat, the word cage-free is pretty much meaningless because it's not coming, it's, chick, cages are not used in the chicken meat industry. So if you see cage-free chicken meat, the company is just trying to trick you. And so I would say maybe even avoid that because you don't want to reward them for trying to trick you into paying more for something that's the same as all other chicken meat. Um, that's why I'm saying it's just so confusing that I would like probably just pull it up on your phone when you're going to the store. And then um, if you see eggs that say free range, in my experience, that's usually not much different than cage-free. Um, what I've been told is that usually free range eggs means that the birds are still in a giant warehouse, just like cage-free or, um, sorry, let me start back up. When you hear cage-free eggs or meat, it's referring to birds who are in a giant warehouse, never go outside, but they're just not in cages. And when you hear free range, what I've been told is usually it's not much different. It usually means there's like a small little opening that theoretically the birds can walk out of, but there might be like 
a thousand birds or 10,000 birds and the opening only has enough room for like five birds at a time to go out. So I would treat cage tree and free range as basically interchangeable. That said, if you see something like pasture raised on eggs, my understanding or on meat is that that is a huge step up. A pasture raised would usually mean the birds are actually outside. Um, and so that's, it's, I feel like it's so confusing that it's not super helpful to try to memorize different meanings, but I would really recommend if you go to the store, like just Google a list of label meanings. Um, the word humane, I would like just completely ignore because usually companies don't, often companies use the word humane just to be deceptive. Like they don't have to mean anything particular when they say humane. You know that they're complying with the law so they can say they're humane, but maybe not, not really. They might not even comply with the law and they might just say that they're humane. And nobody, basically, if a company says they're humane, the government doesn't check, doesn't check for anything. They just consider the word humane, I think, to be something like fluff where, oh, it's puffery. I think the government would say, oh, yeah, you can just call yourself humane if you want to because it's subjective, even though I don't think consumers agree that it's subjective. So maybe I think there's some lawyers who are trying to bring lawsuits about that topic, but um. Yeah, the word humane is just like abused so much that I would just ignore it. Um, I think that in general, if you go to Whole Foods, they have like more specific information about how the animals are treated and they have different steps. Like you can, I don't know the details, but there's like gap step one, step two, step three, step four. And um, that is like very specific and telling you more about how the animals were actually treated. So I guess my big picture answer is it's complicated. Look into it. Google it on your phone, and then you you'll be able to figure it out once you Google it. It's just not obvious from looking at the labels. Got it. And if you're lazy like me, I that's why I like Whole Foods because I'm like, oh, you did the work for me. I can do the steps. I can understand steps. It's very simple. Go the easy path. Uh, so that's one way we can help support. Is I always say, vote with your dollars. I, that's I say that I tell my kids that all the time. If you don't like something, vote with your dollars. You know, just don't don't support it. Um, so that's fantastic. What are you most excited about for in the very near future? I'm really excited for uh, Legal Impact for Chickens to file our first lawsuit. Um, when we do that, I'll feel like we're really in business. So that's my big focus. Okay. I think I'm so excited about being on this podcast. Like I've been <laughs> looking forward to it. Um, for you having me, Emily, and this is awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you know, I had started the business about three months before we got our first client. And it's really like you're probably doing all the infrastructure and the back end work. I didn't feel like it was real until we got. And then I was like, well, maybe it's a fluke. So. But I hear what you're saying about it'll feel more legitimate, you know, when we actually have our first case underway. You're on your way and you're doing fantastic. Thank you uh, so much, Emily. Do you, I think you strike me as a very techie person. Do you have a favorite tech tool that you can't live without? Yeah, I just recently learned about a new tool. Um, Actually, my, one of my uh, Legal Impact for Chickens volunteers named Suzanne Van Arsdale told me about it. It's called Todoist, um, like the word to do, I-S-T. And it's an app. You could pay for it, but there's a free version. I have the free version only. And it's basically just like the best to-do list ever. Um, you can just set a list of things to do and dates, and you can push the dates back if you don't want to do them right away. And then when you've done with them, click them off, and it feels very satisfying. And 
for me, starting Legal Impact for Chickens, I was really overwhelmed by how many different things I had to do. And I didn't want to get case management software because I'm trying to save money. So I was just writing a list on um, like a notes document on my computer and I felt really stressed out. And then Suzanne told me about to-do list and I've been using it every day religiously ever since. So definitely check it out. And there's a lot you can do with the free version. Um, so I'm not trying to convince you to spend money for them. I don't, I'm not connected to the company at all. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I love it. I, I have a lot of people on my team members or on my team who can't live without a checklist. So I'll tell them about that. Uh, how can our listeners connect with you? So you can go to www.legalimpactforchickens.org and we have our social media there. Um, chicken, it's at Chickens Legal at Twitter. On Facebook, it's just Legal Impact for Chickens. We also have a LinkedIn. It's just Legal Impact for Chickens. Um, if you go to our website, you can join our mailing list. Um, or we now have a phone number you can call. And if you call our phone number, you will reach somebody from back office Betty's. So um, I don't want to torture them by having you call just for fun. But if you go to our website, you can see our phone number. And we'll, we have, we're so grateful to have awesome receptionist services from back office Betty's. Also, thank you. <laughs> awesome. And if you want to support Legal Impact for Chickens, I'm going to put a link down below and it's for her GoFundMe page. You've already hit your limit, but like, let's keep it going. So supporting <laughs> the cause and helping make better animal welfare for everybody. Clean up our food supply. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was amazing talking to you. Thank you so much, Emily. It was a huge honor to be on your podcast and thank you for everything you've done to help Legal Impact for Chickens. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information, visit our site at solodefacto.com. And remember, smash that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Solo De Facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist, helping you grow your firm one call, one chat, one new client at a time. To discover how they can help you grow your firm, head on over to backofficebetties.com and mention the Solo De Facto Show for an exclusive listener offer.